Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. And that is launched out to deep left field. Big fly for Mike Trout. This is ground ball to second base. Red Heagle falls down, picks it up, fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariners. It's gone. Big fly for Anthony Rendon. Hey guys, I'm Alex Curry. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. Brandon Marsh. This is Chris Rodriguez. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am Dan Garcia and joined with... The Curator. And we are here at Halo Haven uh, like we were last week in the beautiful uh, Angel Stadium seat. So let's get this uh, podcast rolling again. We're going to review this week, uh, our this last series out in Texas uh, against the Rangers. Not a great series when they were in Anaheim, so hoping to do better uh, coming up this series. And it started on a good note, getting Anthony Rendon and Mike Track Mike trout back for this series and i think we talked about it the expectations are kind of high now because they're able to get these guys back in the lineup yeah it's a projected lineup that you you want to see all together you look like in the nba trying to get like the big three all together and uh seeing them back and uh see what they could really do and kind of put together a streak yeah so those guys are back in the lineup again rendon coming off the il trout getting hit in houston missed the last three games um, luckily never had to go on the IL, but he was back in the lineup. And Otani took the mound. And a little bit of history going with this game, um, Otani led, at this point, led the major leagues with home runs and started a game for the first time since. The Great Bambino! That wimpy deer? Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. the Great yeah. Bambino. Yeah. Okay, I know who he is. Yeah, exactly. So first time since Babe Ruth that... Uh, someone either leading the league in home runs or tied with the lead in, in home runs is also starting a game. So that was kind of the history behind this uh, start. And it just feels like every single time Otani takes the mound, some kind of history or some first, some kind of first <laughs> is happening for one reason or another. So let's get to the game. Obviously, like I mentioned, Otani was up uh, pitching, but he got a little help early uh, by Jared Walsh. Jared Walsh hits this ball into right field. That's a base hit. Otani in there with a slide. So obviously, like you saw, Otani scores uh, one nothing after the top of the first. Otani takes a mound, and a lot of times when Otani takes a mound, you know the control is always seems to be the topic. How he controls the ball, how he. Mm-hmm. Um, walks and all that stuff. And we were actually here watching the game um, that night and uh, got off to a little rough start. Yeah. We're like, ah, here we go again. (laughs) Um, You know, previous start, a lot of walks, walking the bases loaded. Uh, Last time when he got into that first inning trouble, he's able to pull himself out of it. But when you're down, what was it? 4-0? Yeah. 4-0 in the first inning. And, uh, you know, in years past, uh, we didn't have like that firepower to come back. So, and then he settled down Yeah, and, you know, yeah. maintain control a lot of chases uh, his chase rate was like through the roof right um so you know he he rallied back and and the offense came alive yeah so otani like you mentioned gets in a little trouble in the first um he gets a single a fly out 
a walk. Again, that's kind of been his little bugaboo for a little while now. A walk, a home run that puts the game. Bugaboo? You yeah. bugging me? You bugging you? Oh, okay. There you go. All right. He gives up a home run. It's a three-run home run now. It's three to one. He walks. He walks another guy, hits a guy, a sack fly. So at the end of the first, it's four to one, Texas. And he's at 29 pitches. I think uh, Otani just feels like he needs to make things just more interesting. <laughs> like, I think it's just too boring out there for him. Like, right. he's like, oh, man, I could just go out there and do it. But let's make it more interesting. Right. So after the first uh-huh. 29 pitches, and remember, in this game, too, he's also batting. So at any point they take him out of that lineup, you lose the DH. Yeah, Madden, huge risk there. And yeah. it actually it worked out. It ended up working and, out. And you brought that up before the game. You're like, okay, the, the DH spot, and I have to fill that. And you put yourself in a big hole yep. having pitchers that you have to hit and things like that. And um, But it worked out, and yeah. Madden looked like a genius. Yeah, exactly. So, mad, 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 mad genius. Mad Madden. I yeah, love exactly. it. I love the unorthodox approach for sure. So, he, like I mentioned, 29 pitches in the first inning. What were you thinking at that point? Oh, I'm thinking it's a two inning game, uh, calling Chris Rodriguez in the third, right, you know, exactly. and uh, but we talked about that, like his pitch count leveled off like really quick. quick. He had a he had a couple innings like less than five and later and on, it yeah. looked just like a normal pitch count. Actually, I think it was actually low right after the, like a third inning. His pitch count was like at 39. We're like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Like, yeah, now, he's like, almost manageable. averaging like a little bit over like 10. 12. Yeah. yeah, 12. So that was great. Was good. Yeah, and so he ends up helping himself in the second uh, with this play right here. In the first inning. 0-1 pitch is rocked into right field. That's damage. And two of those runs come right back. So it's always nice when you're a pitcher and you can help your own cause hitting a, a single that scores two. So now it scores three to four. A little more manageable as far as uh, you're not having to make a huge comeback. But, I mean, that, you have something you see every day, a pitcher helping himself out like that. Yeah, and he crushed it. What was the exit velo on that? Oh, your favorite word, velo. <laughs> it was like 113. Yeah, it was like ridiculous, yeah, right? It was, you know, it was, it was good. It was good. And then right after that, uh, this guy comes up and ties the game. And Trout sends the ball out to shallow left field. Coming on his doll, and he's able only to trap it. Scoring from second is Otani. We're not worthy! We're not worthy! So, yeah, exactly. Trout ties the game now at four. And so all that, you know, worry that we had after the first inning when it was four to one is gone completely. And we kind of, you mentioned it too, the lineup, this is what you expected from the lineup that could score runs that quick. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, having those guys, even deep in the lineup. Like, right. I feel I, I feel like this is the deepest one through nine that we've had in recent memory. When you got someone like a Glacius, mm-hmm. you know, up on the back end, you know, knocking in some runs, going deep. Um, and even with Stassi back, too. Right. And Stassi's putting up, we'll probably get to it in a few, but Stassi's putting up, like, JT, you know, Real Muto numbers who just got paid. Right, exactly. And we got a guy who's fairly similar, and he's not he's not getting paid. Uh, we, we, we swooped that dude up from the Astros a couple yeah. years ago for next to nothing. Right. A little trade here and there, nothing too crazy. But another guy that's been really helping out the lineup is Justin Upton. And then in the third, he does this. Takes things off in the Angels' half of the third. A high, deep drive to left, and the Angels have gone back out on top. Exactly. Upton puts him up by one. But that lead didn't last quick, or that amount of a lead didn't last quick because Albert came up right after him and, and went back to back. Albert sends a drive well struck out to left center field. Bidding for back to back. 
Wow, Albert, 667 career home runs. So, yeah, Albert hit 667. Um, and batting seventh, when you have Upton and I believe he's batting seventh, bat, having Upton and then Pujols batting six, seven in your lineup, granted they're a little bit older, granted you're probably not going to get like the batting average and on base as high as like obviously like in their prime, but it's kind of shown that these guys can perform um, at that kind of lower level, but be a solid like sixth and seventh guy in the lineup. Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you have someone like Justin Upton who is, you know, a perennial star. Um, and you're, you're not even counting on him to produce. And no. then when he produces, you're like, yes, that's just like that, you know, that cherry on top. Exactly. And then you have pool holes who, uh, they, um, I saw a comment today. I think it was from Madden who, uh, said he's, uh, he's like a Benjamin button. Oh, so I don't know. He said it, right. He's a ben- he's like a Benjamin, Button. he's getting better with age. Yeah. <laughs> he's starting to become younger again. And we were talking about that during the game. Like, yeah, he looked pretty solid. He hit that one deep and then he almost went deep again later. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. And I like, I don't, I'm a, you know why? I don't know. I'm not an Albert apologist in any contract year. Anyway. Yeah. Contract, contract year. year. He's trying to get that one year extension yeah, with, exactly. uh, uh, somewhere, somewhere, sure. yeah, yeah, it's contract year, and it's funny though, too, because we kind of talked about it a little bit during the game. Is like, what if he does put like a legit 25 home run, 80 RBI type of season like together, 275 average, right? I mean, like yeah, or don't get crazy closer. here, yeah, something like that. Like, does someone take a flyer on him next year? I don't know, like, I don't know if it's gonna be the Angels, I doubt it's gonna be the Angels, but that that's something that'd be really interesting if he does continue to perform especially when you have that 700 home run milestone oh yeah and whatever team so you, you're guaranteed that he's he's gonna get Merch, within trouble heads yeah all that we're stuff. gonna yeah. yeah for sure for for some team like well, i don't know if it's gonna be the angels but no, I, I think it's it's got to be the angels or cardinals right. i just don't see anything in between he's he's doing it with like milwaukee <laughs> tampa bay yeah that'd be um miami because he's you know he's down <laughs> from there so anyways so the third inning still wasn't over yet when Mike Trout comes up with this RBI hit. Mike Trout will be the next hitter. Swings at this pitch and lines this one over the head of the left fielder, Dahl. Angels will get one run. Another RBI hit for Mike Trout. He's- so he doubles in Kurt Suzuki to make the score 7-4. to four. And oh, by the way, he missed the last three games, but it did not look like it at yeah, all. He's, a, he's a, like like Texas Walker Mr. Ranger kind of thing, man. He crushes the Rangers. We saw the stats. If you're watching any of the games, yep. they kept on throwing him up there. He's like basically batting 500 lifetime against this team, especially this year. He's crushing it. Uh, I think it's most home runs against like a single Texas team, opponent, like right. in modern baseball history. Something like when that, you yeah. combine like the Rangers and the Senators yeah, that's, uh, yeah, together, that's like he's right up there, I think with uh, Reggie Jackson. So, um, and you saw that ball. Talk about exit below. There you go, dude. Chris is going to come around on that. I dude, I God. hate by, the below word. By the end of by the end of the season, Chris I hate, is going to use. I hate the like below. I hate all that stuff. But then, um, because I I saw that ball, I'm like, why doesn't he? You know, why doesn't he get to second? Or <laughs> what was it? Like he didn't, you know. Yeah. And he's all that ball like was a so rocket, fast, yeah. and then all of a sudden, Gooby goes on. And he goes. Uh, Exit Velo, there's no way he can yeah, get out. Like, ah, too quick. God, yep, exactly. Whatever. Me and Gooby on the, on the same way. I know. There you go. So that all happened um, in the third inning. So at the end of the third, Angels are now up seven to four. And that was a really quick turn uh, from the four to one deficit they had in the first inning. It just it seemed like it happened really quick, but uh, the bats were firing on all cylinders. Again, Trout was back and he was performing. 
like you mentioned, Otani would end up settling down after that rough first inning. He ended up going five innings pitch, uh, only getting with three hits, four earned runs. Again, that's all in the first inning. Um, two walks, again, first inning, end up striking out nine. His pitch count was 75, so you thought he would have got a, gone a little bit longer in, in the outing. But reports came out afterwards that I guess they used, quote, quote, quote unquote, a hot spot started to develop on his finger. And obviously with the blister issues, didn't want to push that too far. So uh, took him out after five, but was in line for the win. And obviously he got his first win since uh, like early 2019, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. Yeah, I don't remember this, but um, Nolan Ryan threw over like 220 pitches in a start and went like, 12, 13 innings. So, yeah, I have no compassion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I got a feeling there's a lot of those kind of uh, it's modern day baseball, a lot of Nolan Ryan type yeah. of well, Nolan you did know. this back well, in the day whatever. kind of deal. So, yeah, so he went five innings, good outing, something you can definitely build on. It just seems like after that first inning, he settled down. Now, does this not even give him, you know, that first inning because a better team might not, you know, give up seven and bring you back in? Oh, yeah, game for kind sure. Of deal. So, Otani was done after that. Uh, but the Angels were not done scoring after that when you have Walsh coming up in the sixth. Here's Jared Walsh. Well hit to center field. Garcia back, and he'll play it off a hop. Otani comes in to score. And Walsh, again, we were talking about, you know, Pujols and, and Upton, Iglesias. Walsh is, you know, sneaky. We talked to, or I talked to some people that are more like baseball fans in general, not necessarily uh, Angel fans, and he's still not kind of like on their radar, but Angel fans know what this guy did at the end of last season, and it seems like it's really starting to bleed over to this year, and, and that does, again, add so much depth to this lineup that it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I feel like if you went over to the East Coast and you did like a Jay Leno kind of like street walking <laughs> Walker, segment, yeah. where, but you went outside like a baseball stadium and you said, hey, you all know Jared Walsh? And no idea, right? Well, I feel like, I feel like they say, you ask them, who are the, who's the Angels, you know, first baseman? And they're it's all, Albert Pujols, for sure. Yeah, and then the only reason really why Albert has been playing so much first base is because Walsh is out in right field. Yeah. If, if you know, if that outfield is completely healthy and Dexter Fowler never has the injury he had, you know, you might not be seeing pools that much, which when you think about it, it's pretty crazy because he is doing really good. Yeah. This year. So, so it might be actually a blessing in disguise. Um, and, and Walsh, as far as the games I've seen, and I've pretty much seen all, but maybe like one or two games, Walsh hasn't had like a defensive blunder or anything like that. That absolutely stands out. Now look at, I hate to say it, but if you look at Joe Adele and you look at Jared Walsh, I mean, Jared Walsh has been pretty solid. Oh yeah. Um, making all the routine, routes, making all the, yeah, making all the routine routes plays. The I think that's the biggest thing, and, making the routine plays yeah. and getting the routine outs and not, you know, you know obviously there's yeah, his, his throwing arms decent. Right. Um, there's been a few plays of the play, just not really contested, but right. But yeah, making the, the the standard plays, you know, gets underneath the ball, makes the out, cuts off a ball from going to the to the uh, to the wall. So now you're holding him to a single kind of deal. He's making those traditional plays, and yeah, he's not going to wow you with any his speed or anything like that. But he's but he's doing a good enough job in right where, you know, Albert can get some first base at bats, and you're not going to lose a bat. And we're talking about Jared. like Walsh, how he kind of was like a rising star that nobody really counted on when right. you look at all the first, like all the prospects. You had like a Thice and Ward for a little bit. Ward, and I know he moved away and, from first base, but yeah, a lot of those guys, like bit. those were they're supposed to be the, you know, build as like a first baseman of the future. And and then Walsh just kind of slipped in there. And I think he kind of got on the, on the track with that kind of two-way ability. Yeah, but um, he stopped. I mean, and it's and that's not going to probably happen. Again. No, because he stopped last year because of a shoulder injury. So they said, okay, we're just going to let you bat and focus on that. So mm-hmm. that might have been, and even too, 
in the last series against Houston, they had him on um, like the, that YouTube. I don't know. I didn't like that YouTube thing, but they had him like pregame on that YouTube uh, game and they they talked to him about it. And that's one of the things they brought up was, you know, are we going to see you pitch again? And he even says like, eh, I seriously <laughs> doubt it. Because if he, he was never that guy like Otani. Otani, you have big expectations pitching wise out no. of him. And that was never the deal with, with, with Walsh. It was always going to be a guy that, had like mopped up duty or low leveraged guys that can just eat up innings out of the bullpen. It was never like he's going to be the closer yeah. or anything like that. So, you know, Walsh two way, two way playing days, I think are done, but um, offensively, it seemed like to help him. Yeah. So obviously with the end of, with the September uh, last year, uh, him just absolutely blowing up. So we're still not done yet with this game because Iglesias ends up getting his second home run as an angel uh, late in the game. Off in the seventh inning for the Angels. Next delivery. This is hit well and lifted deep out into left center field. And it is out of here. Right into the Angels bullpen in left center field. Third homer of the night for the Angels. So, yeah, second home run of the year for Iglesias. Third home run of that night uh, for the Angels. And it just seems like, the offense was absolutely rolling. Like I mentioned, Trout first game back in three days. He goes four for five, two RBIs and a double. Um, and the Angels win this rather easily, nine to four. Um, honestly, was one of the better games offensively that I've seen, and, and you know yeah. probably since that Minnesota game where you had the Upton Grand Slam and all that stuff. Yeah, it was just it was just a complete game. Yeah, you're doing you know every everybody down, everybody was open, contributing because yeah. you look at that if you get past that first inning, it's an absolute shutout. They don't get anything. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, the bullpen did great. Otani settled down. You got your offensive production. Uh, great win again by the Angels out in Arlington on Monday. So now we roll over to Tuesday. And Tuesday is a kind of a whole different story for a lot of different reasons. Um, Jose Quintana was on the mound after a good start um, against um, Texas at home. So he's facing them again on the 20. Uh, last time he faced him was on the 21st. And so you're kind of hoping he'll be able to duplicate it. He got went like five innings, only gave up like one or two runs. So it was a good outing. Um, not great, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to probably talk about the umpiring behind home plate in this game. Um, there was a, I forgot what Twitter account grazed these umpires. Missed calls was like, 80 something percent, like 84 oh, percent. And then the league average is 96 or 94, something higher like that. But the consistency level that he was calling those bad calls was up to like 96, 98. So it was almost like, yeah, he was bad, but he was consistently bad. And the, the, the Rangers definitely took advantage of it that game. Yeah. And as, as an MLB player, which I know nothing about, <laughs> but at a lower level, if you know the guy and you start to see a pattern, you know the guy's calling the outside strike, then you're going to start, you need to start swinging at that. And you know that zone expanded. And so that's something that you need to make that adjustment, especially if they're consistent. It even gets worse if you're just terrible right. and you're inconsistent. So, hey, I don't know. Yeah, but that, that, and that's the thing. He was super consistent. But it just seemed like the Angels pitchers couldn't take advantage of it because it, it did seem to me watching that game that the Rangers knew it. They would take advantage of it. They would throw the ball outside, and it was like a ball, a ball and a half outside, but he would get the called strike. And now as a as a batter, you're thinking to yourself, it has a huge strike, so I have to swing at that. So now you have a lot of pitches that are being rolled over or just not well, not a lot of contact. But when the Angels came up the pitch, it honestly didn't seem like they 
we're even trying to hit that like outside edge and put the guys down 0-1. And where the Angels were consistently down 0-1, it seemed like because they they took advantage of that wide strike zone, the Angels didn't. But Jose Quintana would give up a home run the first, home run the third, RBI single in the fourth, and he would be done after three and a three and a third, giving up six hits, five earned runs, only two strikeouts. But like I think the biggest the biggest thing in this game to me was the offense not producing. You get hits, but that's about it. They were two for 11 with runners in scoring position had nine left on base. Pujols with the only RBI in the game. So, again, a lot of people complained about the umpires, and I totally agree with it because I, I was watching the game. But at the end of the day, it was just the Rangers knew how to take advantage of that situation, and this did not seem like the Angels pitchers either thought about maybe expanding the strike zone a little bit because, I mean, when they miss, it was, they miss, you know, in the middle of the strike zone. So, I mean, you can't, it doesn't matter what your, your zone is. Uh, if you miss in the middle of the strike zone, bad things happen. Nah, we just throw strikes, right? Yeah. So, you know, the Rangers uh, feasted on that because, you know, they're out of the zone. That's Yeah, uh, I mean, that worked out for the Rangers, <laughs> not so much the right? Angels. So, Angels end up dropping this Tuesday game 6-1. So, now you have to win, uh, what was it, Wednesday to get a series win. And, again, when you're on the road, that's, that's what you need. You need at least a split or a series win. And with a three-game series, obviously a split wasn't going to happen. But the good news is, or at least you thought with the good news, is Alice Cobb was on the mound because he had a bad outing last time, but you kind of figured, kind of like Bundy, at least this was what I thought going in, being like Bundy and rebounding and having a good start. So you had Alex Cobb on the mound Wednesday against the Rangers. Um, he would get in some early – or he would get some early help uh, from Rendon who – had struggled since his return, but it seems he got out of like a, I think it was a 0 for 14 slump up to this point, and he does this. 3-1 to Rendon. He shoots that into right field. It's going to bring in at least one. A second run being waved around. Throw on Walsh is not in time. It's 2-0 Angels. So exactly. Uh, Rendon, two RBI single. Angels are up 2-0 after the bottom of, or the top of the first, sorry. Um, and you're thinking, okay, cool, here comes his offense. The, the the different home plate umpire, he's calling a better zone. These guys are actually getting, being able to get chances to hit. Um, and then Iglesias, Iglesias ends up doing some more damage. And Thrown uh, for a strike tonight. And that one's lined into left. Wall scores. They're going to wave Rendon around. Throw to the play. is not in time. So you're thinking, okay, cool, 4-0 after the top of the first. Offense is clicking again. You're thinking you're going to be able to, you know, add on to this, uh, this lead. Not so much. <laughs> um, Cobb would give up one in the first off a of soft contact, and, and granted, Cobb did give up a lot of soft contact on the on on his hits. It's just, I don't know. It just seems like the Angels have been bitten by that a lot this year so far. The soft contact in the gaps or soft contact in front of the outfield. Yeah, I forgot who said it, it was uh, some MLB great. I want to say Yogi Berra, but. They say, you know, like something when you say, hit them where they ain't. And that's exactly and, and that's pretty much like Angels, you have yeah. a shift, um, you know, nobody on the left side. And then you hit a ball to the left, you know. Yeah. That would have been easily caught by third or short. And then Rendon has to go out, almost makes a remarkable play. But, you know, stuff like that. So I don't I, I wouldn't blame Cobb completely. And yeah, and I heard Cobb's interview, um, post game interview, and you know, obviously he's a competitor. He's the one to yeah. get taken out, but he understood it and he respects Joe's decision. And he he kind of talked about like getting into it. Like if he didn't pull him, are we going to win that game? Right, exactly. Because 
even though it was you're up four to zero going into the bottom, you did give up the one, and then in the second, Angels, you know, didn't add anything on the top. In the bottom of the second, uh, he gets in some more trouble, gives up four hits, including a double, and even two, except for that double, again, all soft contact. And now you're looking at a, th- a four to three game after two, and with a day off today, as we're recording Thursday. You know, what do you do? You you know you're going to have that extra day that's the rest of the bullpen, arrest, you know, everybody. And for that matter, um, Joe makes a quick switch. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, he, Joe makes um, the mad scientist, I guess, going back to the first yeah, game he, of the series. I, mean, I think he just knew Cobb didn't have it. And uh, I think Cobb said it. He said his uh, splitter wasn't moving. Yeah. I think it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't, I don't splitting. Know, it wasn't splitting, <laughs> but it was just moving like left to right instead of like top to bottom. Um, yeah. And it was just kind of hanging up there and they were all over it. So um, it wasn't like a, I wouldn't say it was like a bad performance. Like just, ah, he, got, a, he didn't get rocked, right. you know, like, oh my gosh. But Joe just like, you know, when your guys fly and going back, right. he knows Alex Cobb a little bit more than most because of the time. Yeah. Kind of so I think he's just like, this isn't him. Uh, let's get him out. Um, put in C rod and yeah. And, that's and as much as Alex Cobb doesn't want to, you know, come out, he doesn't want to say it, but like if he didn't, if he didn't make that, who knows what would have happened exactly yeah, we lost that one so yeah so Cobb goes two innings pitch six hits three earned runs two strikeouts and like we mentioned pretty much besides that double um he gave up a double in the first and double in the third besides, but besides those two pitches everything was pretty soft and everything they, was yeah, and not then, bad and then kind of on the other side of the of things uh Texas left their starter in yeah who gave up more runs than Cobb Looked terrible. And he settled in. I think he in went the like first six, inning? six, seven. Yeah, innings. he yeah. settled in. Um, was it Danny? Uh, I forgot what his last name is. Yeah, Dunning or something. Danny like Dunning, yeah. uh, former first round pick. Uh, they recently acquired by the Rangers. But yeah, he settled down, looked pretty good. But it's funny, he actually outlasted Cobb. Right. You with, would think with, with the first runs, inning, with, right? with the first inning going the way it yeah. was, you thought it was going to be the absolute yeah, opposite. Sure. So you kind of mentioned it. Chris Rodriguez, fan of the podcast, comes in. In the third, and again, he does he great. He 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 goes three and a third, giving up one hit, one walk, only one strikeout. It's only one dollar for the Tyler Skaggs Foundation, but I'm sure he'll add to that later on uh, this weekend. But like, like I mentioned, three and a third, his career high. Obviously, his small career, but career high um, lengthwise. They, they kind of stretched him out. Seems like a little bit more of this, but um, another friend of the podcast, Red Bollinger, wrote in that in his piece for that night. He's turning into the ace of that bullpen really quickly. Yeah. And you think about it like, yeah, it would have been nice to see him go in there and K like nine or something, right. three innings. Right. That's pretty sexy. But when you look at the ability to get people out, get the ground yep. balls and stuff, that's actually more impressive than Keep the strikes out low. because when you're not even on, when you're not like completely on, on, right. You're, you're still getting people out, and exactly. that's what you want to see. So, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Angel fans, you should be excited about this guy. I feel like um, this is a starter of the future, and I think he will have a starting role by the end of the season. Ooh, by the end of yeah, the season? Yeah, you can book that. Wow, okay. We'll, we'll, re, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll reevaluate, we'll re-evaluate it, and if it's true, we'll replay it, and if it's not true, we'll just absolutely forget we'll it. We'll act like this didn't exist, and people will forget anyways. So. Yeah, exactly. So um, I kind of think we'll do it next year, but, I mean, again, at the end of this year, if they feel comfortable with him, um, I do think they do need to get him around that 100, 125 innings pitch total to kind of stretch him out. As to be a starter, like long term. Yeah, I will say uh, the argument against it is he just hasn't pitched the yeah, last few years due two, to injury, right. trying to rehab last year. What so it the was, last three so. seasons, 
in minor leagues, he has a total of like 72 innings pitch. Yeah. So obviously he doesn't have a ton of innings on his arm. A guy coming out of high school, it'd be, it might be different too if he was a college guy that pitched a lot in college and maybe just had bad luck in the pros. You would think, okay, the arm has done that kind of work, but it hasn't because he's coming from out of high school. So that's why I'm, I, I'm not sure if he'll start at the end of the year, but I do think they need to get his pitch, uh, his innings up to like 100, 125, somewhere around there by the end of the year. So you feel more comfortable for him starting next year in 2022. And and, that'd be crazy. Kind of like the role he jumped into yesterday is it's something that when you're coming in, in the second inning, you're usually down. Yeah. Like you're usually like getting lit, lit up. There's like eight in the first, you know, you're almost down 10. Oh, so we're just a, we're an innings eater at that point. Right. And you just throw in whoever like, you know, long relief, but no, he came in, he did really in well. a, in a you know high leverage situation, and pretty and then picked up his what second win? Yeah, his second win of the year. Um, it's actually his second. Is that a team leader? Yeah, right. It feels like it. <laughs> it might be like in the top think, three for sure. I think I think he's yeah. Up there. But um, his second win, his second appearance. Uh, again, when a three and a third. Rest of the bullpen did great. They went obviously three and two thirds, only gave up one hit, three strikeouts. And then Myers comes in for the hold in the eighth, and then Iglesias comes in for the save in the ninth, and that's exactly how you want to play it out, yeah. you know, for the season. For sure. Yeah. So that was that game. Angels win, obviously, four to three. After that first like two innings, who would have thought the game would have ended four to three because of all I was all that offense, offense and everything man, like that. Yeah. But something to mention too, before this game, um uh Stasi did get activated, so now he's back. In the lineup, back behind home plate. So again, you're now you're slowly getting this team healthy at the right time because uh, Mariners are coming, uh, or they're going up to the Seattle, and then when they come back, they have Tampa Bay and LA in the in one week, and that's going to be a really good. Well, even Seattle too is going to be a really good test for the Angels, and we yeah. can see where this team uh, strengths are and weaknesses are against teams like that because obviously. Seattle second place right now. I think they're a half a game. They won today. They're half a game up on the Angels for second place uh, in the division. But you have the Rays and the Dodgers, who a lot of people, if not everybody, has picked both of them to make the playoffs this year. Yeah. So again, that was the the series winning victory five to three in Arlington against the Texas Rangers. And you know, obviously, they're going to be up in Seattle starting a three game series on Friday. And we have we'll, we'll preview that a little bit later with a special guest, but. We're going to take a quick break right now, and when we come back, we'll have the Curators Chronicle. So hold on. This weekend, there's a ton of sports action as the NFL Draft and the first leg of the Triple Crown, the Kentucky Derby, are back. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out the great sports news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as your team preps for their playoff run. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Your outdoor experience could be better, clearly better. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. Using Japan Optics, Canon lenses are clearer, lighter, and stronger than other lenses and are nearly impossible to scratch. With frames handcrafted in Italy, k 
Canon sunglasses elevate your experience outside with a degree of clarity beyond your wildest imagination. Use the exclusive code KNUN15 at KNUN.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. KNUN, clearly better. Is a truly a beautiful day for a ball game, except for the Angels are off today. It's warm too. It's warm. It's warm in Southern California. Starting to feel like spring's and uh, summer's approaching. Right. But it's the curator here with another edition of the Curator's Chronicles. As you know, we look at different uh, memorabilia, uh, things that add to the absolute fandom of the greatest team in MLB. With one championship, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, we still. Uh, We'll stand firmly on that on that fact. But today we feature something that's a little bit different. And um, one thing that we've always prided ourselves uh, in Halo Haven and the All Angels podcast is that we like the fan-sided approach. We like things that are created. They're organic. Um, one of that, a kind kind of stuff. Yeah, kind of stuff that you can't go buy at the gift shop. It's not mass-produced in China. It's something that's truly original, and we like being part of that community, building partnerships, and um, and doing collaborations and whatever it may be. And so um, we were blown away by something that was presented to us that kind of came out of the blue. Uh, we, we made a mention almost a year ago and it was kind of like, Hey, you know, you should do this. And, and, um, and then fast forward a year later, uh, someone hit us up and said they had kind of a fan creation and a tribute. And so we met up with someone known as the baseball artist. His name is Jose Seha. And he came over to the Haven Monday night and we hung out, kind of talked baseball for a while, but we knew, uh, a presentation of a gift, which is incredible. I never thought we'd be in that position where people were presenting a gift to us. And to be fair, he mentioned it. He's like, yeah, I should mention, uh, I have something to give you guys. That's why I want to come over. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so we were trying to figure out like a time to meet up. And then, so he drove all the way out from Santa Ana on a Monday night. And so we really appreciate that. And beyond that, uh, this guy has true talent. And what he does is he, uh, creates tribute balls, so it doesn't always have to be a major league player, but it could be someone like your dad for Father's Day or something like that. But he uh, hand draws, yeah, That's sketches that. baseballs, yep. and it is incredible, as you're going to see in just a moment. And so we were just blown away by the, his talent, and he's done some collaborations with professional baseball players, just to name a few. I know he's done like a Jaime Berea, a Keenan Middleton. He's also done a Fergie Jenkins, Hall of Famer. He's done quite and, a bit. Yeah, so it's just the list goes on and on. And so we're so honored that he was able to um, give us this ball and tribute to Halo Haven, the All Angels podcast, and more importantly, in memory of our uh, late friend, and um, and brother Jonathan Magdaleno. So he came over here. He printed, presented this ball. We were just, I don't know about you. I was like, I knew I knew what was coming, but I didn't know what was coming right. until you actually saw it and felt it. And so if you're watching online, you're going to see that ball right there. Yeah, we're on and, YouTube and look how Facebook and it's, our uh, it's incredible. The likeness and the detail yeah, that it, he put in to this baseball. 
and so he takes commissions. Uh, he's pretty popular. So it takes a little while, but if you go to www.thebaseballartist.com, he can, he's also on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, yeah, all that ba- good stuff. The Baseball Artist on Instagram. Um, from there, again, he'll have his website link there. You can DM directly from there to talk about what you want, what you're interested in. He'll give you a price. I'm not going to sit here and say that. We know exactly the price because I don't want to be like, oh, well, they told me there was this much. So um, Use he, promo code. Yeah, exactly. we don't have that yet. But definitely give him a look. If you're interested, definitely reach out to him. See what he can do. Uh, I know he – because he kind of mentioned it here. He is getting kind of bombarded with a lot of requests right now. So the wait is a little bit long. But just like anything in life, if you're willing to spend a little extra, he can get a little rush order on it. That's for sure. Yeah, and just looking around like, you know, what's in the garage and things like that, like signatures of this player and that player. Like that stuff's cool, but there's nothing as meaningful as this. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's just like – you know, it's uh, it's just like a one of a kind piece, and I just think that's what it's all about. So, if you have a loved one, or if you have a favorite player, whatever it may be, um, he's he's your guy. Oh, absolutely. And then too, um, go on his Instagram. He has the pictures of all the stuff he's done. Like he mentioned, he's done uh, baseball players from different teams. He's done family. He's done even with Alex Curry. She had a dog that passed away. They even put a family pet on there. So. I, pretty much anything you can think of, anything you have an actual picture of, he can throw it on a baseball and and the work. I mean, you can see it again. We're on our YouTube, our Facebook, and our Twitter. Or, but even the photos from there don't do it justice because we saw a lot of his work before he came over, and we kind of understood what he did. But when he actually gave us the ball, and we're actually kind of look over it, it's like it. You have to kind of look over it two or three times because each time you do, um, another like detail that you did not see the first time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, From, like the ink pops. Yeah, and the ink. Like when we took the case off, it was just like, whoa, the ink yeah. is there. <laughs> so yeah, this guy's incredible. Uh, he also, um, I think he thought from like our post that John was a big. Periwinkle, uh, fan of the Periwinkle, the Disney era, which he was totally not. So if you're a listener, funny. if you listen to this podcast for a while, you you know, you that, know that. And right? then, then, and what I told him too, it's perfect because. For the podcast listeners and the Halo Haven followers, you know this about John. So it's kind of like an inside joke between us. It's like an inside joke between our followers and our listeners. So I told him, I was like, every time I see that thing now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a little chuckle because the fact that he's in a periwinkle uniform and a periwinkle hat – um, he would never have done that. And the fact that we got him on now, he's of- immortalized on a ball. That's going to always be here looking for like a rotating case to go, yeah, around, exactly. but it's going to be periwinkled out. Yeah. And, and, and his, <laughs> his wife saw that and she thought it was funny too, that yeah. he would, cause she obviously knew his, uh, quote unquote, uh, love affection with periwinkle. And it just actually worked out great. And again, check him out at the baseball artist on Instagram, the, uh, www.baseballartist.com. Dot com, but all that stuff can be, you can find on his Instagram. Check it out. Um, like, yeah, uh, this guy's about to blow up, right? And, and he's so, like, you're players. you're gonna get in on the early end, whatever the fee is. It's completely worth it. You gotta. There's nothing you can you can't put a price like on you know like hand drawn skill. Well, like you mentioned, it's one of a kind. Set. It's one and of like, a kind. And yeah. the hours he must have put in, right? Are incredible. It's yeah. an incredible amount of time. So it's I think it's a steal. Um, but check him out and to follow him. Exactly. The Give him a like, get yeah. something commissioned, be patient and uh, add to your collection. Yeah, definitely and one of a kind. Definitely something that you will want to put in a case and have it, you know, 
front and center, wherever it is, whether it's in a man cave like this or your front room, living room, you know, wherever. Uh, it's definitely one of a kind. So definitely give him a shout out again. That's at the baseball artist on Instagram. He has all his information there. Uh, definitely check it out. But if you are watching uh, live, uh, yes, this is a Palm Springs Angel <laughs> actual game worn uh, jersey. Oh, if you're, I think you're probably it. wondering that. But um, wearing a hat that accompanies it. But the PS with the palm tree, uh, classic um, as they come. Exactly. My uh, California, the California Angels minor league affiliate for many of years from the early '80s through early '90s. So Tim Salmon, all those guys came through Palm Springs. Right, a lot of O2, and, yeah, like, and also cool the kind of spring guys. training uh, site uh, for many years so me, until they moved to Tempe. I'm about to say, let me ask you this: so when they were in Palm Springs and they had spring training there, obviously there wasn't a whole lot of teams around them then, right? No, they had to travel from Arizona. Or from Palm so Springs like, to Arizona? Or Palm Springs to Arizona. So like a team like, I think the Giants were out in, ah, uh, what's way out there? What's past Tombstone? Oh, like Tucson or something like, like that? Like Tucson, right? Tucson Giants were a team. So you have to go from Tucson all the way to Palm Springs just to play a spring training game. So sounds like the great so like yeah, it sounds it sounds act, absolutely terrible, and that's why they made that transition out to Arizona. But spring training in the old days, which I never got to enjoy or be a part of or partake in, um, it was so relaxed. Like you could just right. walk up from what I heard, and you see like someone like Nolan Ryan or whoever, and it was just so casual. And it's like, <laughs> oh, here's a bat. Right. Here's this. The Tokyo Giants came and scrimmaged, and they're Sadaharo. Oh, the so that's probably one of the things you just got throwing out in, yeah. stuff, and it was super chill. And then we now we think super, spring training is like still that and it's become so much more corporate in the last, like, still, in the last like three years it though. still I has maintained like, that for the I most think part in the last three years it has because i remember yeah. our first time out there as halo haven um even before we started the podcast with johnny uh it was it was like that i felt like you had that feel to it where it was like real intimate and you can go up to players like that and then you can gradually start seeing yeah. the 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 tickets, the tickets go the, up, yeah. the prices for, you know, beer the and, access. And, right. Yeah, so, yeah. um, but that's not going to stop us from going next year. So we'll be right out there in Tempe, yeah. uh, spring training 2021. You can book it. So that is another edition as I get his music queued up of the Curators Chronicles. Let's go. So obviously, like we mentioned earlier, the Angels are heading up to Seattle to play the Mariners. And this could be a really good matchup because the Mariners are doing really good. They're kind of slowed down a little bit, but we'll see how it goes. And I was lucky enough to catch up with one third of the Sunday League, the podcast, uh, DH. He's a Seattle Mariners fan. So I brought him on to talk Seattle Mariners because obviously he's going to know a lot more than I would um, just reading on him for like 24 hours. So um, he's our special guest for previewing the Seattle Mariners, and here's the interview. And to talk Seattle Mariners, Angels open up a three-game series this weekend, is DH, one-third of the Sunday League, the podcast trio, um, obviously repping the Ken Griffey hat, love it, and the Sunday League podcast shirt. Um, but you're a Seattle Mariners fan out of the three of you, so I figured you were the perfect guy to have on with this series coming up. How are you doing? 
Dude, man, I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, it's a pleasure and honor, honestly, even though <laughs> you guys are rivals. Right. Uh, there you go. But, but you know, hey, man, uh, I, I was happy to do it. And anytime I get a chance to talk Mariners, then I'm all for it. Let's so get, yeah. uh, shout out to you guys, man. And shout out to all those Angels fans out there. I mean, <laughs> I'm always at Angel Stadium being a SoCal guy myself. Right. And, uh, you know, it's nothing but fun. You know, fun rivalry. I don't even know if the Mariners have a rivalry with the Angels. Do you consider it a rivalry at all? I honestly would consider, and it's funny too, because Rube, an, another guy that's on the podcast with you, the Dodger fan, and I would actually even consider Seattle more of a rival than than the Dodgers, just because it's strictly the fact that yeah. they play more. It means more in division than the Dodgers. Dodgers is like a fan. Dodger Angels is more of a fan rivalry, I believe, yeah. than an actual on the field rivalry, but like a baseball rivalry. Yeah. yeah. If I had to rank the angels rivalry, I would probably say because of everything that happened, probably Houston, even though the Houston hasn't been in the AL that long, but like Oakland's right up there. I think it's probably like one of their top rivals just because it always seems like the angels have to go through them or, or the, the mm-hmm. Oakland is trying to go through them. But yeah, mm-hmm. def- definitely on the list. Seattle is because like I mentioned, you, you know, you play a team 16, well, 19 times or whatever, you're going to kind of just build that naturally and stuff like that. But well, the Mariners haven't been very good for very long to have a rivalry with anybody, but this is the year. Yes. Right. I'm sure you echo the, the voice of a lot of uh, Mariners fans this year. And let's uh-huh. talk to it talk about them off to a hot start. I mean, they were in first place for a really long while until, um, you know, obviously Oakland started uh, heating up. What was working good for them? What is something that maybe even surprised you coming into the season? Uh, The pitching staff, especially the bullpen, has kind of really held it down. I figured the offense was going to struggle a little bit here and there. I mean, you're definitely going to get some offense out of Mitch Hanniger, you know, especially since he's fully healthy now and going back to hopefully his pre-2019 version and uh, Ty France is a guy that they picked up from San Diego but it's not necessarily because he wasn't a good player in San Diego um, but they just didn't have a, a spot for him and considering that they signed Manny Machado to play third base that was Ty France's position and you know they've tried putting him in different spots on the field and well they had a chance to pick up Austin Nola our catcher and um, and they made a move for him. And so they gave us Ty France, and he's got a really solid bat. So just as a Mariners fan, because I follow that team, I knew Ty France was, was going to be a solid bat. And But aside from him, aside from Hanniger, and aside from Kyle Seeger, it's been, it's been pretty inconsistent. So it's, it's about what I expected from the offense, but the pitching staff, the bullpen, has been a really nice surprise. And we got a guy that you might be a little familiar with yourself <laughs> by the name of Keenan Middleton. Middleton. Yep. yep. This guy has known him very well. Mid to upper 90s, doing really, really well well for us. He's been a nice piece for us. And, I mean, Kendall Graveman's another guy that we got, um, you know, from Oakland. But a good guy that, you know, throws heat at the back end of the bullpen. And Rafael Montero from the Rangers, another guy that throws heat. And, you know, we're just taking all these little pieces from (laughs) all the different teams in our division and putting together our own little ALS super bullpen. And so that's been working out real nice. Yeah, and you mentioned Middleton, and you know, obviously, with the Angels came up with the Angels. Um, yeah, I, I think he kind of soured a little bit with the new re, uh, new regime that came in a couple mm-hmm. years ago, coming off Tommy John. So I honestly thought what he needed was a fresh start somewhere, and that being close to home and being a uh, Oregon guy playing up in mm-hmm. Washington is probably uh, exactly what he needed. So talking about starters and pitching, one of the acquisitions you guys got this off season um, to come back to Seattle was uh, Paxton, and obviously he's done. How is that pitching rotation looking as a whole um, with some of these injuries that are now popping up? 
So, um, you know, you kind of figure that the big maple was going to take a spot in that rotation. And uh, you kind of plan for those types of things, hopefully, when you have that six-man rotation. And so he goes down. All right, well, next man up, you got Nick Margavichis, who's kind of been a long man in the, ro- in the bullpen. And now you have him filling that spot. But his first start, filling in for big maple, he goes down with shoulder injury. And so... Mariners are going to stick with it. They're going to stick with the six-man rotation. They believe it's the key to success. It's the key to get them out of the cellar in the AL West. And um, they've got some good, really nice pieces that they've gotten from uh, various trades. Uh, Marco Gonzalez is somebody they got from the St. Louis Cardinals, and he's been holding down the top end of the rotation, uh, opening day starter. Uh, You've also got uh, uh, Justin Dunn that you got from the New York Mets, along with Jared Kelenic when they traded Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz, uh, he started today uh, as holding Houston down. In fact, uh, yeah, Manderson on top, bottom eight. Five, three. Anyway, uh, so yeah, Justin Dunn is a nice piece. They got Justice Sheffield from the Yankees. Get this, for James Paxton, who then oh, they yeah. end up getting him back. It's so like a, it's like a Chapman thing. <laughs> Yeah, Justice Sheffield's been working out real nice. He's been a you know top prospect type of starter, and a lot of these guys that the Mariners have are those types of players. You know, they're top prospects, and um, they're they're getting their shot with Seattle. This is the year that they you know bring in uh, a lot of that that young talent that they've that they've had brewing in the minor leagues. Kalanick is another guy that they still have to bring up, and um, I think he's going to slot in real nice when it's time for him to come up. But as far as the rotation goes, for now, it's going to be that six-man rotation. And the series starts on Friday. Correct. And the way that I, I kind of had it, had it set up is um, just kind of looking at their normal rotation. First guy you would expect to see would be Chris Flexen. And Flexen's a guy they got from Korea or when he, he was pitching in, in Korea. Uh, in the KBO. So now he just came back to the, to the States and uh, shut the Red Sox down for a solid seven innings of one run ball. Uh, I want to say that was on Saturday. Um, and then uh, you'll probably see on Saturday, the, when the Mariners play the Angels on Saturday, you're going to see either Robert Duggar or LJ Newsom. Robert Duggar is a guy they called up from the minor leagues, but He's uh, he's a bit unproven, you know. He's he's somebody who's he's been a starter in the in the in the minors, and he's kind of come up and filled a long man spot in the bullpen. So yeah. he might he might be the starter for Saturday or LJ Newsom, who threw six shutout innings out of the bullpen against the Red Sox. Yeah, so that might be the uh, the high scoring game with. Uh, Canning, uh, Griffin Canning going on Saturday, and he's had troubles um, getting out the first couple innings. It seems like with him. He might have a hard first inning, but if he can get through those first two innings, then he settles down. But it's just getting through those first couple innings that have really hurt him um, so far this year. And then you have Andrew Haney going on Friday, um, has turned around the last three starts. And ever since moving to the uh, first base side of the rubber as a lefty, he's able now to kind of control his fastball a little bit better and and get in on uh, batter's hands. And he's kind of turned the page. And so on Sunday, the getaway game for you guys and us – Dylan Bundy, the Angels, you know, frontline starter, opening day starter, has been really been able to hold it down this season, except for one best start, and he will probably be going up against. He is probably going to go up against Justice Sheffield on Sunday. So if it works out, I think the only question mark is going to be Saturday, and it's, I think it's probably going to be LJ Newsom, in my opinion. He threw he threw two innings on against the Red Sox on. Thursday, and then another, no, I'm sorry, on Friday, threw another four innings against the Red Sox 
on Sunday. So he would be lined up to be starting on six days of rest or on the sixth day, actually, if they end up going with him. So he's uh, he's somebody to look out for. But again, you know, with with Seattle, their offense, it doesn't matter who you're throwing up there. You just got to shut down Hanniger, France, and Seeger. Those are three and guys that are those are the three guys. Yep. And Kyle Lewis is coming back from his injury and he still hasn't really? caught fire just yet. Eventually he will. But yeah, you get through those guys right now. Those are the main ones that are holding down our lineup. Yeah, and Seattle just seems to have a lot of these young guys. If you heard about for a while, you know, especially being in the AOS, you kind of hear about, and you see a lot of the minor league guys playing against the Angels minor league guys, especially here in Southern California. And now you're starting to see them pop up or getting on the brink of popping up. Um, Long term future for these guys, you know, obviously trades and all that stuff can happen after at any point. And so some of these guys obviously might not even break in with the Seattle Mariners, but kind of, you know, how do you how do you see them, you know, two years from now, three years from now? Oh, well, I mean, you got Jared Callen, like I was saying, who's still in the minor leagues. And I think he he's somebody that you would see coming up uh, at some point this year, probably if not by September, then probably before September. Uh, another guy that you have is their catcher, Cal Raleigh, who's already known for his defense and his bat's starting to come around a little bit. So I think with those guys right there, uh, their lineup is going to be in good hands. And even if they keep Mitch Hanniger, you know, Mitch Hanniger is somebody that they talked about how if the Mariners struggle, then he's somebody that they could trade. Uh, for more prospects down the road. Um, but I think he's somebody that, you know, you would want to build around. And I don't I don't want to see him go as a Mariners fan, but, you know, I understand the business side of things like that. But he's somebody that I think Mariners would be smart to keep around. And if they're doing really well then by the All-Star break or by the trading deadline, then I see them making pieces or making moves to add pieces, not to subtract. Um, is, you know, as far as their start, I, I don't know if it's sustainable right now. I, I see a lot of good things out of their pitching, but aside from the offense, uh, you know, those three guys that I mentioned earlier, Hanniger, Francis Seeger, they're going to be your no-brainers. Kyle Lewis had a really good year last year, won the American League Rookie of the Year, but it was a shortened season, right? right you know, right. how much, uh, how much clout do we, do we put on that? And so I want to, I want to see him in a full year and see what happens. Um, but I, I mean, personally, I, I picked the Mariners to make the playoffs as a wild card team. Ooh, okay. uh, the Angels, I see them coming in third, but that's probably <laughs> <their> bias. <laughs> that's just my bias. But I mean, look, the Angels got to do something about their pitching. You're, yeah. you're locked yeah. in the AL and the ER and ERA, and um, their offense is on fire. Though you guys are leading the American League in all kinds of offensive categories. Yeah, and Rendon's not even really Rendon yet. He's coming back from injury, and he just broke out mm-hmm. of a, a one for. I think he was like a, or he was zero for sixteen before he hit a double or, or yeah, an RBI single today. Uh, you know what were we at Wednesday night, mm-hmm. so you know, that's still not even firing um, in all cylinders yet. But yeah, the pitching is definitely going to be the issue I think throughout the year. Um, like I mentioned before, Bundy has been able to hold it down. You're thinking now that Haney has found something because he's put three starts together that have been really respectable. Um, but after that, Cobb not great today at all. You have. Um, Griffin Canning, that's you know still kind of a work in progress. You have Jose Quintana, that's again another roller coaster. Um, you have Shohei, which is great; everyone loves it. But the, the end, of, at the end of the day, you're you're hoping he stays healthy, but because uh, mm-hmm. he can, I mean, he can play lots out just as much as anybody in in the major leagues. He has great stuff. It's just you know uh, he he pitched a couple days ago, and then the, the word is, is that he kind of had a hot spot, you know, forming on his hand, having the blister issue again. So yeah, I think that's definitely the Angels kind of. Um, 
question mark it's the pitching and even some parts of the bullpen also especially the that uh, middle part back end not so much but that middle part is something to kind of watch out for for sure well i tell you i mean you know if it stays this way you know where the angels are in contention seattle's in contention i definitely see both our teams making uh making ads before the trading deadline uh, one guy that's out there that a lot of people have been talking about, uh, if the, his team continues to struggle, is Max Scherzer. Uh, yes. I don't see the Mariners going after somebody like him, but I definitely see the Angels making a move. What do you think of your chances? Say your guys are still in contention of adding somebody like Max Scherzer. I think they'll add somebody. I think Max Scherzer is, is going to be a hot name by a lot of teams. And again, it's going to come down to one of those kind of with, with you know trades, especially when Snell was kind of the hot name this offseason. It was about what you can get for him. And then when you put the angels farm system and prospects that you, that they have to offer compared to a, like a super farm system, like San Diego, you're never going to get snail. And it's the same thing with Scherzer is if another team with a better farm system really, really wants them, it's not going to matter what the angels put up to get him because they're just, they're not going to be able to compete. Um, Joe Adele might be untouchable. Brandon Marsh, um, not untouchable, but pretty close. You're seeing what Chris Rodriguez can do right now in the majors. He's, I'm guessing going to be untouchable after um, performance today. Reed Detmers is, is again, one of those guys that's pretty close, but outside of that, you have some guys, but it's, it's high floor or low floor, high ceiling. Like they can be all-star type of guys, but they're young athletic and they need one or two things to come around to do that. And it's a matter of will it. So I don't know if teams are willing to take that risk quite yet when these guys are still 19, 20, 21 years old. So if, mm-hmm. if, if, there's not a lot out there, which I doubt there will be. I mean, I'm sure everyone's going to want someone like a Serger. Um, but if the Angels are in it, they've got to hope that someone that is also in on it don't, doesn't have a better farm system because, you know, the Angels farm system isn't exactly loaded like some of these other teams are. No, but I tell you what, your wallet is. Your yeah, team no, wallet you're, 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 oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure you can take on just about anybody's salary if it's guaranteed. If it comes down to a salary, if it comes down to a salary dump, then yes. If it comes back to we want prospects – then no. So it's going to kind of depend on what Washington does. It are they more worried about getting his money off the books, or are they more worried about getting prospects in return? So that's something. Wash. I don't know how Washington's financials are, but if they just want a salary dump, then yes, we can do that. Not an issue. If they want, you know, oh, we'll take, we'll hold on to fifty percent of the salary, and but we want prospects kind of deal. Then it's like uh, that's where it kind of gets kind of sketchy because I don't know if we have the prospects to pull it yeah. off. Well, one of the biggest differences I think between our teams right now is I think the the window, like the direction the window is going. And and from my perspective, I see the Angels' window slightly closing, just slowly, slowly, slowly. Maybe because Trout is getting older. Mm-hmm. You got Pujols, who's in the last year of his contract. Is it the last He's year? Gone. Yep, last last year. And, and you got you got still got Justin Upton, who's still a solid player. But you know, is he the same Justin Upton that he was right. back? And so it, it's and, and on top of that, the pitching, the pitching is a big question mark. So I, I see it closing a little bit, whereas the Mariners, it feels like their window is starting to open up just a tiny bit more, considering the reinforcements that they've got in the minor leagues. There's, there's pitching galore for the Mariners in the minor leagues. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it, that's the difference right there. I don't I, I don't see the Mariners being as aggressive in the trade at the trading deadline. Right. But um, I think maybe, you know, somebody who's not quite, you know, top dollar type of guy. Uh, they might go after somebody who can help out uh, the maybe the offense. Really, that's the biggest thing that I see. I see making you know as far as a trade going down, helping us out is somebody that can help the offense. Yeah, you know the window's kind of weird for the Angels because like right now I think it is kind of on the downslope just a little bit. But like you mentioned, Pools is done at the end of this year. That money comes off the book. Upton's done in two years. That money comes off the books. 
Um, and honestly, the only guys that they are truly committed to after 2020 was it 2022 would be um, now Fletcher, Trout, Rendon, and I think, no, yeah, Otani will have been his last year of his deal, and then he'll be in arbitration. But those are the only guys they're committed to that's on the team right now. So there's a lot of flexibility they can make, trades, moves. But the one thing that, like I mentioned before, it's a lot of, you know, ri- high risk, high reward kind of prospects right now. Because if those, if, you know, there's probably like four or five, I can think off the top of my head, they're high risk, high reward. If three of those hit, and that includes Reed Detmers as one of them as a pitching, and you have Chris Rodriguez, which you think is going to hit because you see what he's been doing. Those two guys, you know, can be the solid twos and threes or even ones um, for a rotation kind of you can build around it. But again, it's like, yeah, with, with the Mariners, I think a lot more is known from their prospects. And I think that's why they have a better like ranking on, you know, wherever you look, MLB.com pipeline or, or fan graphs or whatever. I think that's why they have a better farm system rating is because their questions are a lot more known than the Angels. Angels have mm-hmm. a ton of questions. And if, you know, like I said, if three or four of those guys hit or, or you know, you know, if Brandon Marsh isn't a superstar, but is a, you know, three-time, four-time type of all-star throughout a career, that will solidify that outfield spot once Upton leaves and mm-hmm. Joe Adele can be even uh, half of what people <laughs> expect him to be, that solidifies your outfield for the next, you know, seven years, eight years. Um, so, yeah, I think that with, with the window, it, it's it's closing right now just because we, there's a lot of stuff the Angels don't know yet about their prospects. But if they, you know, come through, that window will open back up again with Trout, being the Tim Salmon type when they won the O2, you know, uh-huh. Tim Salmon wasn't Tim Salmon when they won. He wasn't the guy that was leading the team in, in war every year. And it was the face of the team. He was the older guy that was there to talk to the younger guys. And I can very easily see Trout being that type of player. Yeah. It's going to suck to see him winning when he's like 35, 36, but if he's able to mentor some of these young kids and they're able to finally get a team around him, if he wins it, then I'll take it. You know, if he wins it now, I'll take it. But as long as he wins one, I think that's the goal. I, for me personally, he doesn't, for me, doesn't need to be the reason why they win as long as he's mm-hmm. on the team that wins. Right. Yeah. I mean, I tell you what though, there's nothing that will bust open that window of opportunity for the angels more than a top end starter to oh, pair yeah. with with Otani up at the front, you know, on the top one and two, and the lineup, the way that you guys have it set up. I mean, honestly, it really is one of the best, if not the best lineup in the American League, aside from maybe the Red Sox and the White Sox, or even the Astros, maybe if people could still argue the Astros. But, right. I mean, yeah, they, they really do. And so you get a one, just one, maybe even two <laughs> pretty lucky top-end starters. Yeah, That's a dangerous team right there. I was really. saying, yeah, you signed a top-end starter. But then, like I mentioned, you, you see Chris Rodriguez grow. You see Reed Detmers mature to where they're like a solid two or three. And then maybe they do take that mantle in four years as that number one. But, yeah, you get that that number one starter next year, next offseason or whatever, trade deadline. Yeah, it, it, it changes the it changes a lot. It changes a lot. Really and so that's a kind of a wait and see um, with the Angels fans, which I know as Angel fans, we've heard that it seems like forever, the wait and see. Um but DH, I, oh, I want to talk give... about Angels fans that have heard <laughs> wait and see. You, you wait until you talk to a Mariners fan. <laughs> you, you know, listen, let me just put it to you in perspective. I've been a Mariners fan since I started watching baseball in 1996. And we yeah. had some solid teams that year. 2001 was the last time we made the playoffs. You know about how long that's been. <laughs> oh, that's that's you put it that way, you're right. We have a, we have a World Series in that time frame, so it's all oh, good. Dude. <laughs> yep, you sure do. Man, I'll tell you what, though. But yes, you're right. Wait and see. You know, it's 
Ah, uh, man, nothing will teach you patience more than being a Mariners fan, that's for sure. <laughs> DH, I want to thank you again for jumping on. Uh, Sunday League, the podcast, give these guys where they can find you guys, uh, what your podcast is about, because it's not like this podcast where we focus strictly on the Angel stuff, but you guys right. touch on everything through baseball, and you guys have a wide diversity of uh, <laughs> fandoms a fandom uh, in that threesome you have over there with, with you, Rube, and, and Boski. So talk oh, a little bit about your podcast. <laughs> yeah, you said that. Right. No, man. Yeah, we uh, Sunday League the podcast. You know, we 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 just uh, got we're guys that got met at the in the Sunday leagues. You know, recreational men's baseball leagues. And um, you know, Bosky's a Red Sox fan, Ruse Dodgers fan. Um, I'm the Mariners fan, and uh, we just have a lot of fun on our podcast. We talk about everything baseball, but in a very debaucherous way so yes. uh be warned but yeah that's 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 the bulk of our what we're about you know we we, we love baseball we we got the podcast the world pod classic going yes. on our fantasy league which you are a part of thank you i was gonna bring up you guys' record because i looked it up before the podcast you no you don't want to <laughs> it's early it's early. remember it's early it's early in fantasy it's early in the season yeah, man, but we're just a bunch of baseball baseball knuckleheads, and uh, we got Sunday League the podcast. You can catch us on the Instagram on Sunday League podcast. Um, we got a Twitter. We don't really use the Twitter, but check out the YouTube. We got a lot of videos on YouTube as well, and uh, you know, we just we just try to st- keep it loose. So that's what we're about. And um, I want to thank you for for having me on your on your podcast. Shout out to you guys and Angels fans and Angel Stadium for you know just being the stadium in the state that I live in. <laughs> You know, and for being respectful when I wear my Mariners gear. I want to say, not having to go to Dodger Stadium. Not beating my ass down to the ground. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Because, again, you know, we don't we don't have very many rivals, considering that we haven't been very good for very long. But, like I said, this is the year. So This is the year. Awesome. Yeah, man. So thank you. Shout out to you. And um, uh, shout out your Johnny, man, you know. Big, big, big ups to Johnny and uh, and to you guys and your podcast and everything that you guys did from the very beginning. We're big fans at Sunday League the podcast. And I want to thank DH again as I pull our up uh, DH again for jumping on uh, and talking to Seattle Mariners. Obviously, he knows a lot more than either one of us can can even think about because you know we're all wrapped up in angels and he's actually the one out there like reading yeah, up on sure. Seattle and seeing what it's going to do and. He actually nailed the the baseball uh, the pitching projection, so you got that going for wow. him. So. Yeah, he knows his stuff, man. Yeah, exactly. And then you it know, seems like a super cool dude. I know they got a you know pretty um, pretty uh, charismatic podcast out yeah, there going so. back and forth. I think you described it as debaucherous. Yeah, I think exactly. they had a, a parental uh, advisory, explicit lyrics kind of thing that you saw from like the late nineties, so. right? In your rap albums. So I think I want to make sure I download that and listen to it a little bit more now. Yeah, exactly. So you can find suddenly the podcast anywhere you find this podcast. Definitely check them out. Um, it's more like I mentioned, more of a, like a baseball type of podcast than a team specific podcast. So it's always good to mix in one of those. Um, type of podcast but that's gonna wrap it up for this one um again follow us on our social media uh halo underscore haven on our twitter instagram halo haven on facebook um you know rate review subscribe on our uh, ios or apple podcast and then also subscribe on um spotify we're all over the place and uh you know it's it's so far so good for angels uh, we're right in it and we'll see how this next week goes our next podcast will be sunday night um i'm gonna try to put one together from a new location we'll see how that goes you're not gonna disclose that location 
maybe when I do the podcast, I got to see how the hotel Wi-Fi is first. <laughs> it might be it might be a uh, audio only podcast. Yeah. I got to see when I get there. It's, but it's definitely from abroad. It's well, I mean, we're still in the, the 50 states, just yeah. not in this state for sure. So definitely check us out Sunday night. I'll be there reviewing the Seattle series. And hopefully like this one, we're able to get two out of three against Seattle and work our way up through the standings because Oakland seems to be kind of cooling down. Seattle seems to be cooling down. And hopefully with all the guys getting back and getting healthy, angels can make a little bit of a run and, and continue to be contenders. So again, thank you everyone for watching. Thank you for everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. Again, tell a friend, help us spread the word. Um, I am down Garcia. I'm the curator. And this has been another edition of the all angels podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.